Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. You guys can go ahead and be seated. I just want to let you know I'm really excited for what God's going to do tonight. It's a privilege to be up to here. I just want to thank Pastor Omar and the pastoral team and the creative team for uh, choosing me to come up here and, and share a 40-minute a message. So I believe you guys are going to be blessed. I want to thank my wife for giving me the time. We have four kids. Give me the time to prepare for this message. So can we give it up for Danielle? Where's she at? Thank you, babe. I love you. You released me to do God's will, and I appreciate that. Um, Let me just go ahead and open up in prayer. So, Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, just to minister your word. I pray, God, that you just move in a mighty way and touch the hearts of your people, Lord. We pray that every heart be open and every heart be ready to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I just wanted to do a follow-up on um, our sermon series, Yahweh. And uh, I've been blessed by this series. Pastor Omar has been been going over the heat. Hebrew names of God, and his name defines his character, and I want to let you know today, his character is more than enough for your need, amen? And I just want to do a a couple um, steps back and review. So he went over El Shaddai, which means God all-powerful, and there's no mountain big enough or there's no trial big enough that our God can't handle for you. Our God is amazing and he's powerful and bigger than anything that we can face. And if we can just trust in that power, he will move on our behalf. And then secondly, he went over Jehovah Rapha, God our healer. And and if you guys read your Bible, you'll know that Jesus was the great physician. He healed the sick. He he healed the lame. Uh, he, He opened the eyes of the blind. He opened the ears of the deaf and he even raised the dead. So I want to remind you when you call on the name of the Lord, he can help you with your healing. If you just activate your faith and trust in him, he can touch you and heal you today, amen? And then on Father's Day, he went over Abba Father. And, and I love this. You know, maybe you, you, you've been raised without a dad or maybe you didn't have a really good experience. What I like what Pastor Omar shared about Abba Father, he said, there's a father in heaven that is perfect and loves you so much and wants to build a relationship with you. If only you will be willing to open up your arms and cry out to him. He'll love you and bless you, and he'll be there for you whenever you need. And then he went over Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is our banner. The Lord is our protector. I love that message that he told us that, remember, the battle is not yours, but it belongs to him. He is there to fight the battle for you. All you have to do is trust in him, and all you have to do is worship and pray, and he will move on your behalf, and he'll defeat the enemy for you. Such a powerful message. And then finally, Pastor Rob went over Yahweh, and he he was talking about... um, the great I am, that before anything was, God was already created. He is sovereign. He is the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. And if you recognize his sovereignty, God will provide comfort and redemption for your life. So if you can fully grasp a sovereign God that loves you, and if you lay down your life for him, he's going to move like never before. And tonight, I want to fall back on Jehovah Nisi, where Pastor spoke uh, about Christians always having a victory, but then forgetting right after. And he says, we can be at the mountaintop and God could have done a tremendous victory. And a few weeks later, you're on the mountaintop and the enemy attacks you again. And all of a sudden you're living in fear again. You're running away. You're living in doubt. You're frustrated. You don't know why. You don't know why God's not moving. And only if you can make, he said this, we need to learn how to make a memorial of the victories that God's given us. If you can just make a memorial and remember God, God defeated the enemy when I was in this place. 
I know God's going to take care of me and my need that I'm going through right now. So I want you guys to know that God is going to bring a victory to you tonight. So tonight I have um, a message called Baal Prism, which means the Lord of Breakthrough. I want you guys to know that we serve a God of breakthrough. And if you're waiting for a breakthrough and you've been praying for one, I believe it's going to come tonight. So in 2 Samuel 5, 17, verse 20, or verse 17 to 20, this is David. And I want to explain a little bit here. David is finally crowned king. He's anointed king. And right away, the Philistines want to go ahead and and try to uh, intimidate him. So let me just go ahead and read. In verse 17, it says this. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. But David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out to the valley of Rephraim. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you lead or give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up. I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And verse 20 says, and David came to Baal Perizim and, def- and David defeated them. And there he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. Therefore, the name of that place is called Baal Perizim. And I want to tell you, if you can have a memorial of God just breaking through your enemies like a rushing flood, you're never going to have to worry about the next battle because he will be there to do it again. Amen? And, and, and this is what I want to share here. I don't know if you guys ever had a promotion I don't know, at work or maybe in ministry. I don't know if, if, if you've been given a new title. I know there's a few connect groups that just opened. Uh, but when, when, when you're given a ministry and, and you're asked to do something, maybe you've been asked to preach at a Wednesday night service. Uh, Uh, for the first time and right away the enemy comes and wants to tell you that you're inadequate right away the enemy wants to come and say isn't there somebody else right away the enemy wants to come and says you're not good enough why would God use you right away the enemy tries to attack your mind and tries to tell you that there's somebody better that can go ahead and preach and I'm thankful for what Pastor Isaac preached last week when he talked about the inadequacies of Moses and Joshua Pastor Isaac talked about uh, Moses pleading with God I can't speak I stutter why are you going to use me? How can I go up to Pharaoh and free uh, your people, Lord? And, and God tells him this, because I'm going to be with you and I'm going to give you the words to speak. And then in Joshua 1, 5, 7, and 9, he tells Joshua three different occasions, be strong and courageous for I will go with you. I will be there for you. You have nothing to worry about. And Pastor Isaac, last week, I appreciate that message. And I believe that message is for me. So powerful message. So it motivated me to step up to the plate. Amen. And I believe God has a word for you. But what I see here is David is finally crowned king over Israel and no hesitation the enemy wants to come and try to attack and intimidate him to show him he isn't worthy to be king. You see the enemy knew that David if he saw the value that God had in his life if he could just grasp what God had prepared for him the enemy knew that this man could be unstoppable. So right away they wanted to rush and fight him. And I want you to understand when the enemy attacks you please know that there is value and purpose in your life. God has purpose and a plan and a destiny for every single one of you. And I want you to know, uh, Stephen Furtick said this um, in one of his sermons. He says, the enemy attacks only what is valuable. 
So think about that. If you're going through a trial, if you're going through tribulation, if you're going through some type of season where God isn't just moving and, and you feel like you're being attacked and, and, and you're, you're, you feel like you're, you're being surrounded, just know the enemy knows that you are valuable, that there's a destiny on your life, that there is greater things for your future. He goes on to say this. He says, he goes to say that the enemy knows more about your destiny and purpose than you do. See, if you could only understand what God wants to do in your life, if you could only understand the people that are attached to your salvation, the people that, that look at you every single day, if you could only grasp that God has called you to break generational curses, that God has called you to save and rescue your children, that God has called you to be a light and a vessel at your work, to save those that are hurting and broken and depressed. God has called you for a destiny to be used by his kingdom. And I want to let you know, don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you that you're worthless. Amen? Because I want you to know in 1 Peter 2, 9, it says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You once had no mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let me know, let me just tell you guys, you're royalty. You belong to the kingdom of God. There's a God in heaven that has a palace and, and, and a mansion that he's prepared for you, but you can call on heaven down here and he can give you the power and authority to trample on serpents and demons and be used now today in the kingdom of God. Do you believe that tonight? That's why I love when uh, Pastor Omar said, um, about Jehovah Nisi, he says, when you get attacked by the enemy, this is something that should motivate you. And I was like, whoa, what do you mean motivate you? He's like, no, this should be something that motivates you to what? To seek God, to pray more, to put on worship, to, 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 to read your word and read your Bible, to, to say, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but I'm going to trust in you because you did it for me in the past, and I know you can do it again. So I want to encourage you guys to keep moving, amen? Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. You see, God has a destiny for your life, and he has a destiny for generations to come, and, and you are called to be great. So what I want to do is I wanted to go over... Um, this battle, uh, again, in verse 19, it says, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up against the Philistines? Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? You see, right away, David understood that if this battle was going to take place, I needed to seek God. And that's what we need to do in any battle. We got to seek God first. He waited for God to speak to him to attack the enemy. And he said that God broke through like a raging flood. So I want, I want you tonight to take a look at a few examples. I'm going to go over them. Uh, this is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Uh, it's in Samuel, 2 Samuel 23. Uh, and it's going over David's mighty men of valor. Is there any mighty men and women of valor here tonight? Is there any men and women that know that they're called for greatness? Is there any mighty men and women here that know that they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them? I want to encourage you tonight and use these examples on how we can get a breakthrough. Amen? And in verse 8, it says this. These are the names of the mighty men who David had. Josheb, Bashabeth, uh, a Tachamorite. He was the chief of the three. He wielded his spear against 800 whom he killed at one time. In verse 9, I'm going to talk about um, Eliezer. And it goes on to say this, And next to him among the three mighty men was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, son of Ahohai, 
He was with David when he defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle and the men of Israel withdrew. He rose and struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clung to the sword and the Lord brought out a great victory that day. And I have uh, the privilege of picking up this sword and it's a, it's a very valuable sword. Uh, one of my good friends, best friends, Champ, um, this is very valuable to him. This is his dad's sword, Pastor Woody Calvary. So it means a lot to him. And I'm honored that he would let me use this for an illustration. You see, Eliezer made a stand when the enemy, or when his, when his peers, when his, the army of Israel decided to run. And it says that he gripped his sword, and he continued to fight, even though everyone was running. And he struck down all the enemy, and he kept on fighting till his hand was weary, until he couldn't move it anymore. And the Bible says after the battle had ended, some verses say that his hand grew stuck to the sword, or frozen to the sword. Our verse that I read today say it clung to the sword. And I want to let you know something. If you want to be a mighty man of valor, if you want to be a mighty man of God or a mighty woman of God, you have to cling and become one with the word of God. You have to allow the word of God to change your life, to transform you from the inside out. You see, this sword couldn't be taken away from his hand after the battle. It became one with him. And when you get into your word and you start ministry or, and you start reading, you're going to see that God's going to cleanse you. You can take this sword now. God's going to cleanse you and he's going to make you one as you continue to read the word. You see, we need to be like Eliezer and take a stand for God. What we see here is after the battle, Eliezer had clung to the sword and it stuck to his hand. It was frozen. And I want to let you know something in Ephesians 6, 17, it says this, the word of the spirit, which is the sword of God. That's what we need to understand that we need to be in our word. See, we fight a spiritual battle and we can't fight it amongst ourselves. We can't fight it with our own words. We can't fight it with our own strength. We need the power of God to move when the enemy comes and attacks us. We need to be one with God and one with his word. Isaiah 64, 8 says this, and yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are formed by your hand. You see, when you become one with, with the Lord and you become one with his word, you're going to allow him to enter your heart and he's going to start changing you from the inside out. He's going to start making you uh, uh, think differently, act differently. He's going to start making you not want to go to certain places that you used to going. You're, you're going to start allowing God's word just to, like Pastor Rob said, it's a mirror image and it'll tell you all the things we're doing wrong and it'll tell you all the things you need to do to, to, to start doing right. Amen. We got to allow the word of God to change us and transform us. Romans 12, 2 says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing, by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 2 Timothy 2, 21 says this, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for the honorable use, set apart as holy, a useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. You see, when we come to the Lord and we get saved, we have to allow the word of God to change us. And it says that once we get rid of all dishonorable things, that's when the master will start using us more. Amen. You see, we got to get in our word and we got to do heart surgery. We got to do spiritual surgery. We got to do mind surgery and allow God to cleanse us. The Bible says that Jesus comes into our spirit and he cleans house and he puts things in order. If you want to be used by God, you got to allow the word of God to clean house inside of you. Amen. Then when we can use... 
then we can be used uh, by God, and then we can attack with his promises. Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You see, when the enemy attacks you, you got to attack them with the word of God, not with your words, because you ain't going to get anywhere. They're powerless, but when you use the word of God, you'll be able to destroy any, any, any enemy that comes against you. And 2 Corinthians 10, 4, it says this, for the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. You see, God wants you to break strongholds, generational curses. God wants you to be the light and a vessel for him to destroy the enemy uh, that has been holding down not only you, but your family as well. In Romans 8.31, it says this, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. There is not an enemy out there. Al Shaddai is all powerful, all knowing, and he can destroy any enemy that tries to come up and attack you. And we got to hold on to that. And then there is Shammah. In 2 Samuel 23, 11, it says this, And next to him was Shammah, the son of Agai, the Heriot. The Philistines gathered together to Lehi, where there was a plot of ground full of lentils. And the men fled from the Philistines, but he took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended, defended it and struck down the Philistines, and the Lord worked a great victory. So Shammah was protecting a bean field. I know there's a lot of Hispanics here that will lay down their life for beans. Amen. <laughs> You were raised with beans from the moment you were born, amen? But it says, it says that this lentil field, that the, enemy of, uh, that, that the enemy came and the army of God ran away. That there was, there was a fear and they left. But Shammah was brave enough to stay and defend that lentil field. You see, Shammah stood his ground and everyone left. He knew that the lentil field was something God gave him and that was willing to risk his life for. So I want you to know tonight, I don't know what it is that you're battling for. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's not going the way you thought it would be. God is telling you tonight to keep fighting for your marriage. I don't know what God, give, what God gave you and you feel like, man, I'm ready to throw in the towel. Maybe it's your kids that aren't saved. Uh, they're, they're bound by drugs and alcohol and you've been praying for them for years and it seems like everyone else lost hope. Everyone else has given up. Your aunts, your uncles, everybody that knows your son said there's nothing left for him. You keep holding on and you keep praying because today is a day that God can do a victory. You see, God is looking for a people like Shama when everyone else runs away, when everyone else else throws a towel, is there going to be a man or a woman uh, strong enough or, or willing to make a stand so I can use them and I can show you how powerful I am? You see, God is not done yet with your lost loved ones. God is not done with your marriage. God is not done with your teenagers that are out of control. Whatever it is that you're fighting for, God has given it to you and it's worth fighting for. Amen? I want to encourage you to keep fighting, keep uh, pressing in, and keep holding on to God's promise because he's going to move on your behalf. Psalms 34, 17 says this, when the righteous cry out for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. You see, when you cry out to God, he's going to hear you and he's going to deliver you out of your troubles. And your troubles may be your family members and friends that you're praying and contending for. And I want to encourage you not to give up. James 1.12 says this, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. You see, God is watching you and making sure, are you going to, stay, are you going to stand there and believe so you can be crowned? He wants to give you that crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. 
See, God wants to bless you, but are you willing to stand for what God's given you? See, everyone else ran away. Are you willing to continue to contend and continue to pray, even when it looks like there's, there's no more hope? Are you going to still fight the battle? Are you still going to cry out to the Lord? Are you still going to press in and see if God is going to move on your behalf? Another thing I wanted to talk about about this field took me a while and I was really thinking about it. You see, when we get saved, yes, God does surgery into our hearts. God is for us. He builds us up. He, he changes our lives. He renews us. He makes us clean. But I want you to know that our life is not just about us and what God wants to do in us. You see, when we got saved, he was thinking of somebody else. Amen? So we need to understand that when I come to church and I come to prayer, yes, it's good to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, it's good to, to ask God to strengthen you and encourage you. But understand this, that there's brothers to the left of you and right of you that you are fighting for as well, that you are contending for, that you are locking arms for. You see, when you look at the lentil field and you can think of a battle, think about this. The Philistines came to take over this lentil field. If Shama decided to run away as well, that was a resource to be able to feed an army. That was a resource to be able to, to give the army of God another day, another week, another month to continue to battle. You see, if Shama didn't make that stand, that resource, that food, that source of fuel could be used for the enemy. And then the enemy could be a lot stronger the very next day fighting the Israel army of God. So I want to let you guys know Shama made a stand not only for himself, but he made a stand for his brothers and sisters that are battling with him. You see, he made a stand to understand that I know if I run away, I'm the last person here in this lentil field. If I run away, this could be a resource for the army, uh, uh, the, the enemies of God, and that resource could be, could be used another day to defeat the army of God. So I'm not going to let that go, and I'm going to fight for as long as I can because I know it's a provision not only for me, but for my family, for my friends, for the people I come to church with. For I, I want you to know that there are people here that are watching you. There are people here that you connect with. There are people here that are motivated by you just by you coming in through the door that they are excited because you're saved. Amen? There's a connection between the person to the left of you and to the right of you. And sometimes we can't throw in the towel. We got to be able to activate in faith and continue to contend and move and know that, that when I make a stand, other people are watching and it's going to cause them to want to make a stand as well. You see, we got to understand that when we get saved, it's not only for us. Us, but it's for the people that we that we come to church with. It's for the people, uh, our brothers and sisters here. That are, we're here to contend for one another. We're here to lift each other up. We're here to encourage one another. And John fifteen thirteen it says this: Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down this life for their friends. Matthew twenty twenty eight says this: Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, Shama was willing to lay down his life. He was willing to fight even when no one else was willing to because he knew that it was bigger than, what he, than just him alone, that this was a bigger cause, that there was a bigger purpose other than him being saved. It was bigger than him, and I want to let you know, your salvation is bigger than just you. It is, it, there are people uh, connected to you that need to see you worshiping God, that need to see you contending for the battle, that need to see you in the fight, because when you're in the fight, you're motivating them to continue to fight as well. So we need to always understand that God called us to be humble. Um, in the Philippians 2.1, it says this. Um, 
So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any uh, participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and in one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not at his own interests, but also in the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves that this is yours in Christ Jesus, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Amen? So understand that our life, we're here to esteem one another's more than ourselves. We're here to encourage others to continue fighting. Amen? We're here to pray for one another and uplift one another. We're here to humble ourselves more than the person to the left of us and right of us. And when you do that, you're honoring God. Amen? Can I get some water? Oh. I don't know if this is mine or not. Sorry. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are you guys enjoying this? Amen. Amen. I believe God's moving. If you continue in the chapter and go down to chapter uh, verse 13 in 2 Samuel 23, 13, it goes on to say this, and there, and three of the 30 chief men went down and came about harvest time to David at the cave of Adullam, when a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold and the garrison of the Philistines was then at uh, Bethlehem. And David said, Longly, oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem that is by the gate. Then the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and carried and brought it to David. But he would not drink of it. He poured it out to the Lord. And he said, far be it for me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went at risk their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things the three mighty men did. And I wanted to talk about that. It's definitely a big form of honor. It's an honor that these three mighty men looked up to their captain, looked up to their general, looked up to their their king, David, as they were in the battlefield. These men were willing to risk it all because they heard their king say, oh, how I long for a drink of water from the well. I wonder... How many people are willing to risk their life to get their leader a drink of water? You see, it's a great honor to see here, but it's something that we don't see in society today. See, there's no honor in the world. We see people that work their, their, their lives to receive degrees. They, they go to college and they, they get these, these awesome titles. And we see people in uniform and badges serving the community. But what do we see on the news? What do we see on Facebook? What do we see on Instagram? We see dishonor to the people that try their best to earn things. And, and, and I want you to know that that cannot creep into the church. We need to be a people of honor. And we have a saying here that we honor up, down, and all around. It's one of our core values, uh, um, honor 360. And I want to ask you guys tonight, are you honoring the way you should be honoring? Are you honoring the pastors and the pastoral team? Are you honoring the connect group leaders? Are you honoring the people 
uh, beside you, fighting with you, contending with you? Are you honoring them as you should be? Are you honoring those that are underneath you? Are you lifting them up? You see, we need to be men and women of honor. You want a breakthrough in your life? Maybe God is waiting for you to honor the right way. Maybe God is waiting, waiting for you to stop murmuring and complaining. Maybe God is waiting for you to, to, to learn how to be humble and, and, and live a life of humility and understand when a leader calls you, they're just checking up on you and making sure of your well-being. Amen? Uh, we got to understand that, that we have to see honor for the people that are living, that are living and, and, and doing this for the kingdom of God. Uh, Hebrews 13, 17 says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. 1 Timothy 5.17 says this, Let your elders who rule, uh, who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. 1 Thessalonians 5.12.13 says this, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and abonish you and esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. This is for all of us. We have to be a church that practices honor, not only with the elders, but everyone. We honor God first. Yes, 1 Samuel 2.30 says this, but now the Lord declares, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor as well. You see, we got to be a people that honor. We got to be a people that lift, that lift up our leaders, that are there for our leaders that understand that what, what they're looking after is just our well-being. And I want to let you know, if we continue to honor, God will continue to bless us. And I, I started thinking about some things that, that we may be complaining about, um, and, and I'm going to bring that up right now, but maybe, maybe there's a leader that, that dishonored you or disrespected you. Has that ever happened to anybody? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> no, maybe you have a right to, to be upset over a leader or a connect group leader. Maybe they, they rubbed you the wrong way or asked you a question that they shouldn't have asked you. You know, leaders do make mistakes. Pastor Omar talks about how when he was raising his kids, sometimes he hit the wrong one, you know, and, and, and it happens, right? We can make mistakes, right? Leaders can make mistakes, but we have to be people that forgive. And, and there's something that really stuck out to me when I was reading Second Samuel, the, the, entire, the entire book, and, and, and I put this as maybe there is someone who might say that they were offended. Well, I want to say this. In 2 Samuel chapter 1, it writes about Saul's death. And there was a messenger there. See, Saul was trying to kill himself um, in the battle because he knew he was going to be overtaken. And Amalek was passing by. And he, he, Saul asked him if he can go ahead and kill him. And David, uh, and, uh, David explained how did Saul die. And in 2 Samuel 111, 16, uh, 111 through 16, it says this. Then David took hold of his clothes and tore them. So did all the men who were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul, for Jonathan his son, and for the people of the Lord, and for all the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. And David said to the young man who told him, Where do you come from? And he answered, I am the son of a so uh, sojourner, an Amalekite. David said to him, how is it that you were not afraid to put your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Now, I was astonished by this. 
This, this blew my mind when, when I read it, uh, when I opened up the book. What we see in, in Samuel, uh, in, in the first Samuel, we see that, that David starts beginning his, uh, uh, growing in fame. He defeats uh, Goliath. Uh, they, they sing songs about David. You know, Saul kills his thousands. David kills his ten thousands. And then you see Saul having animosity and, and to the point where he wants to kill David. We see that, that Saul actually tried to throw a spear and pin him against the wall. This is the king trying to kill David. This is a man, David, that had lost sleep, who had to run away from from his own country. This was a man that had nowhere to sleep, had to live in the wilderness. And Saul was adamant about trying to kill this man. You see chapter after chapter after chapter, David running for his life in fear because Saul wanted to kill him. So I was astonished to find that this Amicalite, he came with Saul's crown and he came with his, with his shoulder garment and he came running it to David saying, David, Saul's dead. The man that has been trying to kill you for all these years, he's finally died. And what does David do? He says, how come there was no fear of, of, of killing God's anointed? And I want to ask you guys tonight, how are you treating God's anointed? Are you murmuring and complaining when you get home because they might have taken your parking spot? Renee, I'm sorry. These are the things, these are the things we fight over, right? We come to church and, 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 and you're driving your family and, and all of a sudden uh, you, you lose all restrictions because your parking, parking pass is no longer valid, you know? And, and we get upset and, and, and again, Renee, I'm sorry, you know? But these are the little things that we battle for, the little things that are meaningless, you know, the, the tiny things that we get upset over. How are you treating God's anointed? over certain things. If a brother calls you and says, hey, uh, you know, you missed Connect Group, or I didn't see you at prayer, you know, you get upset, like, oh, who, who are you to call me? It's like, we're just checking up on you. We're just making sure you're okay. And these are the little things that we fight and, and murmur and complain about. When David was in fear of his life, being chased by the king, he still did not want to touch and kill God's anointed, even though this man was trying to take his life. He understood that God anointed this man as king, and he wasn't willing to put himself or put, uh, put his hands on Saul. And, and there's two verses uh, that I wanted to go over. There's two other times that, that David talks about not wanting to touch God's anointed. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 24, or I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 24, that um, King Saul went into a cave um, he went in to relieve himself and the army of God or, or David's army was hiding in that cave. And it goes on to say that the men said, this is your chance. This is your chance to get Saul to kill him. This was the word that was promised to you. When you kill him, you'll be anointed king. And David went up to kill Saul, but he said he couldn't do it in his heart. So instead he cut a piece of his robe. And when Saul left that cave, David cried out when he was afar off. And he said, I could have killed you. I, I have not done anything against you, but you're coming after me to kill me. And I still will not put my hand to you. And it's, it's, it's a good, good conversation, uh, a good conversation because Saul's crying, he's crying. And, and then you think it's all over. But the very next day, Saul starts going after him again. Can you believe that? David could have killed him, but instead, because he was God's anointed, he didn't want to touch the man. And he even apologizes. I could have killed you, but I, I could, I, my heart told me I can't touch God's anointed. It goes on to say that there was another time when Saul was sleeping. And this is, um, uh, this is in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 26. Um, 
Saul and his army was sleeping and David snuck into the camp and it says that Saul's spear was right next to his head and they snuck into the camp and the man that David was with, Abisha, said, Lord, let me get the spear and let me just kill him for you. <laughs> they snuck into the camp. He's like, let me do it. And David stopped him. He says, no. The Lord forbid that I should put any hand against the Lord's anointed, but take now his spear that is at his head and the jar of the water and let's go. See, on three different occasions, the man that was trying to kill them, David said, that's God's anointed. I can't touch him. What respect and what honor does this man have for God's anointed? It's a great example on how we need to learn how to forgive for the little tiny things that we get upset over. But instead we hold on to them. And, and instead of you know, telling our leader, hey, I'm sorry I acted this way, we want to go ahead and transfer to another connect group. Because they just asked and inquired how our, how our life is going. I haven't seen you for a while. And all of a sudden, oh, you're getting into my business. So now I need to find another connect group. Isn't God divine? Isn't he sovereign? Didn't he bring you to this church? Didn't he put leaders over you? Didn't, didn't he put those leaders over you? And all of a sudden, you think you know better than God and say, you know what? This isn't the leader for me. I'm going to go over here because they're not going to ask me that many questions. You see, David was on the run for years from Saul. And he still looked at him as God's anointed. We need to honor our leaders. We need to honor our pastors. We need to honor our connect group leaders. We need to honor the people that we serve with uh, hand in hand in any ministry. Amen? So this is what I want to end with. There are a lot of mighty men and women of valor here. I see God moving in your life. But I want you to understand what happened to David. And I, and I really don't want it to happen to you. When you, when you start reading 2 Samuel, from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 10, we see David is always in a battle. He's always fighting the enemy. And when you get to, to, to him being crowned king, to him fighting and winning battle after battle after battle, uh, he, he brought the Ark of the Covenant back to uh, Jerusalem. I mean, God was just blessing him over and over and over again. Why? Because he was always in the battlefield. He was always contending to fight the enemy. He was always there from chapter 1 to chapter 10. To, to, to go and risk his life and continue to extend the kingdom of God. And it goes on to say in chapter 8 that David won continued to bless him. David won another battle and God blessed him again. See, God continued to bless him when he was in the battle. But then in chapter 11, it says that David got a little relaxed. It says that in chapter 11... That he was at home, and it was a time of year, in, in, in chapter 11, 1 through 2 says, In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. And, and I, just want, I just want to sit here for, for a moment. You know, God wants to do a breakthrough in all of our lives. God has done breakthroughs in all of our lives. But God also requires an act of service. You see, when, when we say, God, you're the potter and I'm the clay, you're giving him full authority of how he wants to mold you and shape you to the image of Jesus Christ. Not for your well-being, but for his well-being, to be able to use you. You see, 
I said earlier that we got to get rid of all dishonesty and then God will use us. We got to get rid of all uncleanliness and then God, the master, will use us the way he intended to use us. And, and this is what I, I really want to dwell on because I see this time and time again, not here, definitely not here, but I see a man and a woman or a man and a woman, it doesn't matter. They come to Christ. God saves their life. God touches them. They're on fire for God. And then we see that, that they win a battle. They win a battle of alcoholism. They win a battle of, of, of drugs. They win a battle of depression. God delivers them from those things. And we see, we see they, they finally, they grow. They've been coming for a few months. And then God blesses them with the job. They win another battle to be, able to, to be able to keep a job. Amen? How many know that that's a blessing, you know, when you get to be able to keep a job? I remember, I can tell you all the banks I used to work for. But I, in like two years, I worked for like seven different companies. But anyways... But now you win a battle because, because now you're faithful and loyal to the company that hired you. So you win a battle. And, and then what happens? Then God continues to mold you and he continues to shape you and you're getting blessed because you're serving. You're getting blessed because you're fighting. You're getting blessed because you're contending. And then what happens? Then, then God does a miracle in your life and he blesses you with the spouse. And you know it's a miracle. Amen? And we see God, God gave you a blessing that you can't contain and he blesses you with marriage. And now you're blessed but, and, and you're still fighting and you're still contending and you're still moving for the kingdom of God. And then God opens up the door for you to get an apartment together and get a home together. And now all of a sudden you start prioritizing. Now, now, don't get me wrong. God wants you to enjoy the blessings. God wants you to enjoy those things. But when you start prioritizing that that is better or that is first before God, that is when you need to start worrying about what the enemy is going to do to attack you. Time and time again, I see people get blessed. They get saved. They get, they get healed. They get delivered. They get set free. God changes their life, gives them marriage, all those things. And all of a sudden, they start taking a couple steps back. They stopped they stop going to Saturday prayer. Well, so-and-so wasn't there, and so-and-so didn't make it. So I can pray for home now. I can, I can go ahead and pray from home. Can you believe that? Listen, Shama was in the lentil field by himself when everyone else ran away. You see, stop worrying about what so-and-so is doing and start worrying about what you're doing for the kingdom of God. God called you and he set you apart for a reason. You need to come to prayer. If so-and-so doesn't make it, you come. Let God bless you. If you can't make it to Wednesday night service, uh, or, or, or if you want to prioritize other things for Friday Connect Group, Wednesday night service, Sunday service, man, I, I'm just saying watch out. You see, David, when he was in the battle, he was getting blessed. Every time he was in the battle, you can read it from chapter 1 to chapter 10. He's winning battles. God's anointing him. God's blessing him. And then he gets comfortable in the palace. And it says that it's time for the kings to go to war. And it says he's on his couch. On his, it says he's on his couch. Who knows what you're watching when you're not in church? And, and the Bible says that, that he steps out on the rooftop and he sees Bathsheba. And we know what happens. He commits adultery, she gets pregnant, and he murders her, uh, her husband. Very extreme, right? I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen to you. I'm not saying you're going to go off the deep end and do, and do those things. But you see, if David was on the battlefield with the king, or with the king's battles, that might have never happened. And God would have continued to bless the kingdom. You see, when, when we get relaxed, like, man, God... You've done this for me. Shama 
was willing to make a stand, not only for his life, but for his brothers and sisters. You see, we get cleaned up, God molds us and shapes us, and, and, and he delivers us, and we think it's all for me, it's all for me. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. But no, God wants to move through you for others. God wants to use your life so you can be a blessing to others. God wants you to make a stand to come to Saturday prayer so other people can follow you. God wants you to make a stand for Connect Group because this is our lifeline. Connect Groups is the lifeline of the church, amen? We highly, we highly uh, uh, esteem all the Connect Groups because this is the way that we can connect with all the people. Connect Groups is important, amen? Every Friday, I'm not saying, you know, you can't go out on a Friday and this and that, but when you start missing three services, three Fridays, then you come to one, watch out. Watch out. The enemy may be out there to attack you. You may fall into the ditch. You may got some problems with your marriage. You may have some problems with your kids. Why? Because you're not contending for God anymore. You have lost the fire to come to church, and now you put your family before God. And listen, God blessed you with that family. God cares for that family. All I'm saying is don't prioritize other things before God. And I'm not saying that you need to be at every service, otherwise you're kicked out of the kingdom. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. We honor God on Sundays. Why? Because it's the first day of the week. Amen? That's the first day of the week we're giving to God. We honor him on Sundays, amen? That's what we do. We come together for Connect Group because that's how we grow and sharpen each other. That's how we build vision in each other. That's how we tell people how, how, how to do prayer, how, how, to, how to take up an offering, how, 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 to, how, um, how to lift each other up and pray for one another and sharpen irons. Uh, what is it? Iron sharpens iron, amen? You see, David made a, a, a huge mistake, huge mistake, when he should have been in the battlefield contending for the kingdom of God, the enemy set a trap. Why was Bathsheba on a rooftop bathing anyways? Right? And he goes, oh, what's that? Right? He's on the, oh, I, I, I want to taste that, right? So anyways, never mind. So he goes and he commits sin and he falls. He falls hard. And then he tries to cover it up and he tries to hide it. He puts on the face, right? He comes to church still, he's going. And then, and then a messenger comes. And tells him the story of a man with a bunch of lambs and another man with one little lamb. And that man with a bunch of lambs took the little lamb. And the messenger tells him, that's you, David. You took this man's wife. When he was blessed with probably thousands of wives. Again, that's extreme. That's extreme. I just want you guys to understand that when you put God first, everything else will fall into place. God wants to use you. He wants you to be the Shama. He, he wants you to be the Eliezer. When no one else shows up, he wants you to hold that sword like, I'm not going to let go of your word, Lord God. I know you got a promise for me. I know, I know there's a blessing coming my way. I know you're going to move on my behalf. I'm going to contend for my brothers and sisters that aren't here, and I'm going to be the example. Lord, use me, Lord. Is there any mighty men and women of valor tonight? That will stand up and say, use me, God. Use me, Lord. I am ready. We all can bow our heads. Close our eyes. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.